Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we are recapping the triple overtime thriller from the Lavelle Rocket Rochester Americans games, and it's Friday, and that means it's time for the Friday Mailbag, where we are answering all of our listener questions. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 624 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen. If you're listening to this wherever you get your podcast or your first watch, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you for subscribing on either or both channels. I am one of your hosts. I am the very, very tired, very, very exhausted Scott Metla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, uh, it's been quite a... Uh, I don't know, 36 hours, 24 hours inside the Canadians organization. None of it dealing with the actual NHL team. Uh, but before we delve into that, how are we feeling going into this Friday? Well, uh, the other day, Darren Dreger tweeted something like, oh, expect, you know, Martin St. Louis contract to be done soon. The Canadians are remaining tight lipped. And I just thought that as soon as we're done recording for the week, they're going to get it done. Uh, and uh, I just, I can't help but feeling that that's going to fall into place this week. But in the meantime, also super excited about the Laval Rocket as well. And you had quite an adventure covering them. So why don't you tell us about the game and your adventures uh, as we get ready for our mailbag in our next two segments. So... I drove out to Rochester Wednesday night. It was game three uh, in a best of five series. The Rocket were up two games to none coming home or going on the road after leaving Plas Bell. And in this game, uh, it looked like it was going to get out of hand very early. Rochester scored two goals in the first 10 minutes. And then the Rocket legitimately took over the game from that point on. And Aaron Dell refused to remove the horseshoe from up his butt for most of the game. And it wasn't until there were about 14 minutes gone in the second period that the rocket then reeled off four goals in just under four minutes. And the entire series just flipped in an instant. The Amherst were pushing. And then all of a sudden it was, all rocket. It was all rocket. Brandon Giniak scored. Donic Martel scored again. Xavier Ouellette scored. Uh, Jean-Sebastian D scored. And it looked like the rocket were going to cruise into that third period. They had the lead. They had put Arundel on his heels. He had he did the Mike Smith. His hands are up. He's, you know, looking at the bench, looking at the defense in front of him. He was extremely frustrated. And it seemed like the rocket could just coast this one out, get another goal, and it's all over. That's all she wrote. Everybody's, you know, going home happy. 13 seconds into the third period, the Amherst get within a goal. All right, no problem. Settle it down. Go get the next goal. And then they scored minute after that, and it's a tie game. And then for good measure, they, they took the lead with about half the period gone. And I'm sitting there going, okay, we've seen this team come back. We've seen them in tough moments before. I don't know if they have it tonight. Rochester's fighting for their playoff lives. Everything is clicking in place for them. I got out of my seat in the press row, walked all the way down, went up a level, 
crossed over a catwalk, went down, got in the elevator, and went down to go do post-game media, assuming the game was over. By the time I got my cell phone reception back, the Rocket had not only tied the game, they had taken a penalty and forced overtime in that same window. And it's it, it was a very nerve-wracking, not one, not two, but three overtimes, where in each overtime, the Rocket were the better team and they just could not get a bounce. There were no bounces outside of the second period for this team. And somehow they still got it done. Minute 51 into the third overtime with Brandon Davidson sitting for delay a game, which was about this far from hitting Alex Belzeal's stick. They scored on the power play. Jean-Sebastian D, who uh, and after morning skate that morning, wanted to, uh, in if I am getting my translation correct here from Twitter, put it in the face of the Buffalo Sabres organization. Uh, he did just that. He, he converted an Xavier Willett pass on the power play. The Rockets swept. Everybody very, very happy, very, very yelly. Everyone very, very tired. Um, but when I say the vibes are immaculate, the vibes are immaculate. The Rocket have three days off now, and they wait for the next round. It's I, I do not hesitate to say it was one of the most stunning things I've ever seen in person. And if you were watching at home, uh, I envy you because you would have been a lot more comfortable and probably a little bit less nervous than I was. I mean, I was, I had my feet up. I was in my PJs. You were stressing out. I was texting you throughout. I felt a little bit smug. But then at some point, it started to get really, really excessive. Like I was literally falling asleep between overtimes and trying to force myself to wake up. And then I was like, I should wait and make sure that 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 Scott gets gets home uh, safely. And I tried to stay up and then I fell asleep and I was like, oh, no, I'm a horrible person. But I figured if you didn't get home, Carly would know. So and, and I think that's the funny part is that I parked in the garage. I always park at when I go there. I walk down from Court Street over the High Falls Aqueduct. I get to see the Kodak building. I get to see uh, uh, and walk right into Blue Cross Arena there. Uh, the garage closed at 10 p.m. So I had to find a way in and then hope that one of the gates was not closed so I could get my car out and go home. I rolled in at 1.45 in the morning. One of my dress shoes is broken. The heel is completely separated from that. And I'm pretty sure I just got inside, plugged my phone in, and whatever I was wearing, I just went to bed in at that point. Um, <laughs> one of the most fun nights I've ever had. I never want to do it again, uh, to be quite honest. It was the it was fun though. It it's it, it's a it's huge It's a story test. from the road. Exactly. It, like it shows you what this rocket team is. This is not a team that gives up and quits. Uh, JF Hool, the head coach said, once we, you know, even down to nothing, we knew we were coming back. This team has that swagger that they've lacked in the past under previous regimes. And they have it this year. They are never out of a game, even when it seems impossible. And they've had comebacks before, but this year they, it is a different team and they have a tough test. Springfield and Charlotte are both very good Quads, they'll face one of them in the Eastern Conference Finals. But for the first time since I believe 2011, the Rocket are or it has AHL affiliate is that close to the Calder Cup. Uh, I'm gonna have a piece coming on Eyes on the Prize. I'm gonna break down the series a little bit further just because I know people are gonna ask about it and what happened and this and that. But you'll have to wait for that. We will share that when that article is good to go. But however, to focus on this show right now, it is Friday. That means it is the Friday mailbag. 
We've got some YouTube and email questions, and that's all coming up next. But first, I got to tell you about our new partner. They are Athletic Greens, and they are everything you are looking for. If you're looking to get that perfect start in your morning, if you want better gut health, if you just want to eat better but you don't always have the time, you want more energy, a better immune system, whatever, Athletic Greens is there for you. They have 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. And the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of these things. And it's so lifestyle-friendly, whether you have a gluten-free or a dairy-free diet due to restrictions, has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs or chemicals, and it supports better sleep quality and recovery throughout the day, helps your mental alertness. It has everything you're looking for, and the testimonies speak for themselves. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements or anything. And to make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so... Enough about my uh, my time in the Flower City again this week. Friday's about the listeners, and we do love our listeners. If you ever want to send us mailbag questions, at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. In the YouTube comments, just don't be a butthead. Simple as that. Uh, Laura, what do we have for cu- uh, customers? Jesus. Uh, customers. <laughs> listener. Listener well, I mean, questions. I guess they are customers. All right. I'm going to get somebody commenting on the fact that I was on my phone. I was just trying to put the questions together before people start criticizing that. Uh, One of the questions comes from a longtime listener and a frequent commenter who we really appreciate. Rick B wanted to know if you could talk a little bit about Josh Brook, because we haven't heard from about him in a while. And I know that, you know, we earlier, I guess, in this podcast life, we were a little bit more positive on him. So I'm wondering if you can kind of talk a little bit about what's been going on with him. So he came back uh, after suffering a serious setback with the injury. He had some pretty bad swelling. He played a game or two, and the swelling returned. He wasn't in the lineup, and he looked a step behind the pace, a guy who missed a lot of time, and that's unfortunate for him. Uh, he went down to the ECHL, and he was a, a pretty good regular in the lineup for the Lions, but I think with the way his knee went and everything this year, he wasn't going to crack the – rocket lineup and they allowed him just go home to recuperate for the summer and it's going to be very interesting because i think there's talent there i really do when josh brook is playing well like he was towards the end of last season there's a prospect there the issue is he's been injured and the rocket defense and the amount of guys now with justin Barron and jordan harris matthias norlinder and all these other guys coming in the spots are fewer and fewer and fewer, and he's a step behind the development curve due to injuries. But I uh, I don't know if he's got a long-term future, at least not with this organization right now. There's a lot of bodies coming in, and he might just not be one of them. I think that's totally fair. 
Um, sorry. <laughs> For a second, I thought you froze there, Scott. I was really, really worried. Um, <laughs> I thought you were gone. I don't know what happened. All right. So this is another, like, we have to apologize to this listener, Tiernan Kavanaugh, who has, uh, cons- who has, uh, often suggested great topics and great ideas for us to talk about and great questions. Uh, we missed this question last week. If any of you heard the episode, we had some audio issues and some skipping and we had to cut a bunch of stuff out. Um, he first suggested that we have Dylan Wall on again and talk about the prospect depth and kind of rank them in terms of the goaltending, uh, which I think is going to be really interesting now that Caden Primo is kind of like stepping up because uh, uh, we've, we've had some doubts about him in past episodes with Dylan. But here's a completely hy- hypothetical question from Tiernan. Prior to winning the draft lottery and moving from fifth to second, the Devils had stated that they would consider trading their pick for immediate help. One would have to assume they mean goaltending, defense, and bottom six. In my dream world, the Habs could trade for second and draft Yerishik. I keep trying to say his name correctly. Yerishik. Yerishik. Um, Solidifying their future at center and at right-handed D. Former EOTP prospect writers David St. Louis, who we love, and Mitch Brown, who's at EPR now, uh, are huge Yershik fans and think that he's the second best player available in the draft. I tend to agree with them, but I know that isn't the popular opinion. With this in mind, what would it take to get that trade done? Would you have any hypothetical proposals? Would it be worth it? And would you consider it? My proposal would be Petrie, Allen, Flames first, and maybe something else like Paling or Anderson, etc., is this enough to get it done or too much? I know it's a pipe dream. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And this is something that's really interested me is that everybody seems to have. Now, let's talk about we talked already. We've talked like we've had like three or four episodes about how Shane Wright is the consensus number one. But everybody seems to have a different favorite number two, number three, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of names that I think uh, are popping up a little bit later as we get closer to the draft that I think is really cool. But uh, Scott, sorry, I just kept rambling on. What are your thoughts on this proposal? It there's a chart from Michael Shuckers that always goes around Twitter as soon as the draft trade proposals start coming in that everything is assigned a value between zero and one, one being the first overall pick. It is full value for this draft. And then it declines from there. And you have to have enough assets. And it's usually based off of draft picks to add up to that amount to make it work. And the biggest thing for this is I don't think you can trade Jake Allen with Carey Price's health a concern right now. I would love to have the second overall pick, whether they go defense or Slavkovsky or whatever. But if you're going to trade someone, you have... It's very hard to say because the Devils do need some help on defense. They need some help on the wings in their bottom six there. A guy like Ryan Paling might interest them, but it's going to take, like you said, a Calgary first. They're probably going to want Florida's next year or Montreal's next year, which I think is a non-starter based on the situation. And then do you give up a goaltending prospect? Like, I don't think they're going to give up on Caden Primo, and I don't think they have the right pieces to trade into second overall without sacrificing so many assets that it kind of, uh, it's almost a fearic victory. It's like, yes, we got this, but also we lost six other picks in this draft plus a prospect in this. At the same time, if the devils are not very smart, which up in the air, depending on who you ask overall, you might be able to get Calgary's first and Ryan Paling and move up to second overall. It would be stunning if that were the case, but 
it, it's desperate GMs make dumb moves. And I think if anyone's going to be desperate, it's the devils who were expected to be better than they were this year and need immediate help in a lot of places. I absolutely agree with you there. All right. So we've got another question. I know we're like, we're, we're getting closer to time uh, from Paul F. Uh, the first question is, can we fix the intro for the, because it says Montreal Canadiens. Um, I, I thought it used to just be Americans that would pronounce it Canadiens, but apparently it's Anglophone Canadians sometimes as well, uh, depending on what broadcast you listen to. Uh, we'll see what we can do about that, Paul. But the question is, do you think younger hockey fans accept the cyclical necessity of clubs rebuilding more than older generations would yes and i think the hard part about this because we saw this with the rangers they were very direct with what was going on and people were like this sucks the hockey is bad whatever but there were no um, misgivings about what they were doing and i think the canadians have been very upfront about what's going on mark bergevin never said he was rebuilding or that he was keeping things the same he just you know mark bergevin did where he said a bunch of nothing several times a year and people went ah What could this possibly mean? It means nothing. The younger generation, I think, who has a new way of viewing hockey because the old this is not a slight to the older generation. There is some value in looking at the box score and the eye test and this and that. I think younger generations are more willing to look beyond this because they want this team to be good for so many years that they're going to watch that and their kids and this and that. And that some of the older generations, their experiences are clouded by this team was when I grew up watching them, they lost seven times a year and won five cups. And it's, it's very hard to wrestle with that. And that if I grew up in an era where the Reds where the, the Red Sox, which I actually have a metaphor for that. If I grew up in an era where the Canadians were good, I would probably <laughs> be jealous of, you know, or I'd be furious at the way the team looks right now. I grew up when the Red Sox sucked and then they won one, two, three, Four World Series uh, since I've been in uh, high school. Four, oh, seven, thirteen. That just makes me feel really old because when they finally broke the curse, uh, I believe I had just finished university. I was in seventh no, grade. No, I was still in university. I think I was still in university, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was I, in yeah. seventh or eighth grade. So uh, okay, we have the dichotomy old. of uh, locked on <laughs> Canadians here. So um, it's here's tough. the thing, though. No. I, I think that if you're used to winning, you wouldn't accept it, but we're young. We're not used to winning. And if the Canadians do get to a point where like the Red Sox, they win multiple championships in a short amount of time, we'll become obnoxious about it. Yeah. And that's the thing is that winning cures all in a rebuild is that the younger fans are willing to like, okay, short-term pain, long-term gain. Why drag out suffering and be this team? that's like, yay, we made the playoffs. You're the Montreal Canadiens. You should not be just making the playoffs. Your expectations are different. Even with younger fans, sooner or later that we made the playoffs thing doesn't fly anymore and people get frustrated across the board. So I I think there is a divide in that. I think more people, if you're open with them, though, are willing to kind of understand what's going on there. So we do have our Twitter questions all coming up next. But first... I got to talk to you about one of our show sponsors. It's the folks at betonline.net who are the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, whether it be in the MLB, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, golf, NFL futures, boxing, UFC, whatever. BetOnline has you covered with wagering info, live betting, esports, and more all on their easy-to-use website. So go check out betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline 
where the game starts. All right, so we are back with our final segment of the Friday Mailbag. It is all our Twitter questions. So remember, if you want to ever tweet us your questions, at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, Canadians at gmail.com. In the YouTube comments, we do our best to make sure that we uh, scrounge those up every single week. Uh, Laura, let's rapid fire through some Twitter questions. If they're both available with the second rounders we have, would you draft both Lane Hudson and Maverick Lemur just to have the ultimate big and small pairing of a five foot eight and a six foot seven defenseman? Yes. I, the, the hilarity of that is not lost on me. Um, it, they might actually have that in the next couple of years. I look at someone like Arbor Jack, I who's, you know, a million feet tall is going to be on the ice with Cole Caulfield at some point in time. And honestly, I can't wait because someone's going to touch Cole and Jack. I is going to commit a felony on whatever person touches him. And it, it, there's going to be suspensions and penalties and stuff, but it's going to be hilarious to watch as he is younger than Caulfield, but is twice his size. <laughs> I so I I kind of need that in my life. You thought Josh Anderson looked like the big brother? Imagine a guy who's taller than Josh Anderson doing that next. Yeah, I think so. But I think it's even funnier with defensemen, given our discussion with scouting about size in defensemen and and how you know I always wonder if 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 a small defenseman um, is just neglected just because of his size. And there's a whole bunch of debate to be there. But uh, Jeff the Red asks us, what has been the biggest surprise to you in the NHL playoffs so far? I want to say the Oilers, honestly. After the after the start of the Battle of Alberta being the way that it was, the Oilers responding the way they have, and not just Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and their defense, and Mike Smith, 150-foot goal nonwithstanding, have been what they should have been all along. And, okay, there is one more game coming up. I believe it is at the time we are recording this, so I'm very excited to watch that because... Daryl Sutter kind of reminds me of Claude Julian in the one playoffs where no matter what they did, it didn't work out, even if they're getting more shots. I'm interested to see if they can respond on home ice there because they, they're they a team that we both picked to make some noise here, and Jacob Markstrom has been bad, and the stars of that team have gone a little bit quiet despite their best efforts. The Oilers being as good as they have been, and then also Carolina not winning on the road at any point in time is one of the most bizarre things. Like 0-5 on the road, 6-0 and at home. I was going to uh, say the Carolina thing. You better hope you have home ice advantage then if you beat the Rangers because... Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that's, the, that's the thing that surprised me. I mean, the Oilers, obviously, we thought it was going to go a different way, but, uh, but the Carolina Hurricanes thing... All right, so Goalie Droid asks us, how much do you think Tyler Toffoli misses Carey Price? I think a lot, and I think... I I don't regret the trade at all because it made sense. And I think as Toffoli is there another year, uh, Calgary of Jacob Markstrom isn't good. Uh, there's, there's struggles to be had there. They have good goaltending prospects that are unproven at the NHL level behind him. If Markstrom can't keep up his level play, I'm not saying he's going to look like he has in the playoffs because it's a small sample size. The Toffoli trade is going to look really good for the Canadians organization. I think... I'm going to miss Tyler Toffoli here because I think he was a very versatile piece. You can go top line, second line, third line, power play one, power play two, even a little on the penalty kill. That versatility is going to be missed, and that's a winger archetype that they need to fill uh, in the near future. That kind of of jack-of-all-trades guy, 
Uh, I miss Tyler Toffoli. That deal was incredible. I miss the tiny puppy and all that other stuff. But uh, I do think he misses uh, Carey Price looking back at what Jacob Markstrom is doing in net behind him right now. So Randy Hansen asks, is there any administrative position left open or needing creation in Montreal that you feel remains a priority? Uh, scouting. I, I, yeah. I don't know what, I know they have their scouting staff together because they've been in Europe at the under 18s at the uh, uh, world championships. And I assume they're probably keeping an eye on the CHL playoff stuff. I can, I can confirm to you, there was no one from the Canadians outside of, I would have to double check the press box list again, but none of the big names were in Rochester to watch the game. I think that they know what Jesse Alonen is. They know what Rafael Harvey Pinard is, what Caden Primo is. And they're trusting J.F. Hool and his staff to kind of handle that while they get ready for the draft here. Uh, scouting is a big one. And I think, you know, continuing to make efforts in, you know, diversity and awareness and things like that are always good things to fill. Chris Boucher will obviously fill out his own like analytics staff a little bit. Um, I'm curious to see what the next steps for that are because they built a very good platform to start. So I think analytics and scouting are probably the two biggest things they're going to work to fill next. So um, there's a question from JDubs93 about the mix of vets and youth in Laval. Um, and I want to table that because it's going to be a whole segment and we're running out of time. So let's rapidly fire through uh, the remaining questions. Randy Hansen asks, if, and so J, uh, sorry, JDubs93, we will talk about it probably on the Monday episode because we have a special guest lined up for the Tuesday episode. Uh, Randy Hansen, is there a more overlooked prospect in Montreal than Oliver Kapanen? Yes, I maybe William Trudeau, who is playing in Charlottetown right now. Uh, we literally forgot about him on the episode we planned to talk about him. Yeah, where we where we talked with Matt Drake about the Q press. We like, Who's the other guy? Oh yeah, the defenseman who plays on the same team as the guy we spent five minutes talking about. The hard part about Kapanen is he's bounced around a couple of leagues. I obviously he's still very young. Uh, I'm a big fan of his and. Uh, we're going to get to see him again at World Juniors this year, I believe, because I believe he was on the Finnish squad at that uh, now canceled tournament. And maybe a little bit of time has helped, you know, add some pizzazz to his game, I would say. And that World Juniors tournament is going to be a big showing for him because the eyes are going to be on him uh, in, uh, what is it, Edmonton and Red Deer, uh, where they moved it to. So uh, you are right in that uh when we play remember some guys shout out maybe it's ian um that i definitely forgot to remember oliver kapanen on a lot of my scouting stuff uh kevin asks us please weigh in on a long-standing truly ridiculous dispute is a chocolate covered ritz cracker still a cracker or is it a cookie it's still a cracker it, it's, it's still a cracker it, it's still a cracker it's just covered in chocolate cookies are made with sugar and all this other stuff cookies and crackers are not the same thing Yes. Uh, one is salty, one is sweet. Even if it is covered in chocolate, it is still a cracker at the core. So, mm -hmm. um, and here's how I, I like real quick. You can crack up a cracker, like like uh, like smush it up and put it in a cookie. You can't do that with a cookie into a cracker. So just remember that part. Uh, Jeff the Red asks us, "How did you both get into podcasting? Have either of you hosted a regular podcast before this one? I used to produce produce a radio show called Hockey Primetime with Connor McKenna on SiriusXM. Uh, that ended, as most media jobs do. I got kind of headhunted slash recruited by Sean Woodley, our boss at the network, uh, to, to host this one. And I dragged Scott into this adventure with me. Scott, I know you used to be on the Absent Minded podcast. Am I, yeah. am I wrong? 
Yes, I, that name was actually my idea. We were sitting around one day, and I used to do that with Patrick Bexell and Jared Book and whoever else we had on at the time, where we just talked about all the goings on with that. And uh, once this show kind of kicked into full gear, I took my step back from that. Every now and then, I will pop on to talk with them. But um, this show is my first and foremost. I've done other shows with people, but never as much as I put into that, and especially not the effort and time I've put into this. So. Jeff the Red asks, what are your favorite patios where you live and why? Um, that's 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 tough. I mean, I know Montreal, it's terrace season, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, around here, uh, most of the breweries and pubs and stuff have a nice patio. Uh, Carly and I have really started to enjoy a place called Buffalo Brewing Company. All classic style light lagers and everything. We sit out back. Nice little picnic tables out, uh, Adirondack chairs, hang out there, have a drink or two, and then go home. And just sitting right out in front, we have a nice stoop, a couple of comfy chairs, book, laptop, whatever, and it's perfect. I don't have to, I don't have to go more than 15 feet from my front door. So you're going to hear a lot if you are a tourist or if you're not in Montreal or if you're not from Montreal about Terrasse and Saint-Ambroise, uh, Terrasse, Bon Secours, and the ones on the rooftops in the Old Port. Those are all great places, but everybody goes there. My favorite te uh, Terrasse, uh, as it were, is uh, in, uh, it's called Vice Versa. Benelux has a couple as well. So those two places that I talk about, um, they have uh, craft beer and lots of selection and, and uh, you know, snacks and foods and stuff to go with the beer. So Benelux has two locations and vice versa is close to Little Italy. I think it's still considered mile end. Those are my two favorite places because it is less touristy, less crowded, less everybody goes there. Uh, and they still have a really big selection of beers. Um, and But they're also well known enough that you will see them on like top 10 lists and stuff. It's just that those are my favorite. Uh, we've got two questions. <laughs> I'm just going to, they're two, they're from the nemesis. The first one is, where does Laval rank on the list of palindromic city names? And I can't even think of a single one right now. I don't know if it's because my brain is mush. Uh, I, I cannot think of this either, nor am I going to try to think of this right now because I know that'll just infuriate Will Moore and he's going to call me a coward on Twitter in the morning, which, you know what, whatever. I'm running on three hours of sleep, so deal with it. Um, so I'm going to say it's it, it's ranked the top one because it is the closest to me and it's the only one I could think of and I didn't even realize it was the palindrome until he pointed it out. Uh, and his final question is, what is the ideal ravioli filling? I'm a sucker for just straight up the regular cheese ravioli, but a really good lobster ravioli at a restaurant with a nice sauce and a nice glass of wine to go with that is absolutely unbeatable. A real good seafood, especially lobster ravioli, is like my ideal pick. So I'm going to copy yours, but originally my idea was going to be a pumpkin or butternut squash ravioli. I think uh, they're really versatile. I've been trying to eat a lot more plant-based um, just in general, just because it's good for the environment. So one of the things that I've been doing is trying to discover, you know, what you could do with, with vegetables and make them more fun as opposed to just trying to imitate meats uh, and trying to make them vegan or vegetarian or, or you know, uh, whatever. So the pumpkin or butternut squash ravioli, if done right, uh, amazing. I also really like mushrooms, but I know a lot of people don't. Uh, and that was our last question. But before I say anything, before I before I turn it back over to you for the outro, I just want to thank you, Scott, for carrying the show this week. As you know, I've had some stuff going on and uh, I really appreciate uh, how hard you've worked to kind of carry and move things along. And to our listeners, I will be back in, in you know, constantly blabbing shape next week. Uh, sorry, I was kind of unresponsive this week. 
We are a, a, a team here at Lockdown Canadians. So please make sure you are following both of us on Twitter, Laura at The Active Stick, myself at Scott Matla, the podcast at LO underscore Canadians. Subscribe on YouTube. We hit 1,000. I can already tell you that we have something very special planned for after free agency at this point. Uh, and you're going to watch me suffer for at least a half an hour live on stream. I can tell you that much. I cannot tell you more. Uh, if I do, uh, the CIA is going to break down my door and kidnap me. So when you're done listening to us today, please check out Lockdown NHL, where all our local experts have all the info you need on the playoff games, free agency, the upcoming draft, everything else. You don't want to miss it. You can find that on the Lockdown NHL channel. We will see you all next week.